Thank you. Let us turn to the word of God. The power of the gospel. This is the gospel, the power of of the gospel hour, I should say. The title of the message is the power of the gospel hour. This is the title of our message. This message was taken from Romans chapter 9 or Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 verses 5 through 21. Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 21. Please rise for the reading of the word of God. Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 5. Please read with me as I read out loud. Read, Read aloud the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 5. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth, and it is in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same is Lord, the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How, then, can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear? Without someone preaching to them. And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask. Do they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into the earth. These words, their words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray. Lord God, Father in heaven. The God and giver of life, 
We ask, Father, that you would give us your spirit. Increase our capacity to listen and learn from your word. Increase our love for your gospel message. Bless our listeners, we ask and we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, once again, I just want to say thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to this message, this gospel message. I pray that God blesses your heart. And I pray that you will not only be hearers of God's word, but doers as well. This is my hope for you. Now, before we begin our message, I'd like to start off with some background information. What was the title of my last message? Well, if you had an opportunity to listen, which I hope you did, and most of you appear to be the same ones that were here last week, I just want to say that the title of my last message was God's Love for Israel. Part 6. So, I promise you that I will end that series. I did reluctantly though, I have to admit. It was not easy. I still feel led to continue in the book of Romans. But I think we got the message, right? God loves Israel. Right? And just as he loves Israel, he loves us also. So we just got to keep that in focus, though. We're talking about the love of God. But you got to admit, and I hope, I hope you have at this time, I hope, this, I hope you finally come to a place of, of, of just being thankful for God's love, right? I mean, clearly he says in his word, he loves us. And not only that, he loved us first. And because he loved us first, we love him. That's how it works. Amen. Now, the topic of that message was God's judgment of Israel. You know, you got to understand that God, yes, God loves us. But God also has made it clear, just like a parent, a good parent, a good parent. You listen, a good parent would say, you know what, child, I love you. And but because I love you. I'm not going to allow you to just do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to let you eat candy 24 hours, 7 days a week, 4 weeks a month, so forth and so forth, right? Because that's not good for you. So, you know, God is like that too. He's a father. He's a great father. He's a faithful father. He's a loving father. And he chastens us. That is, he judges us. And he determines how well we're doing. Are we doing the things that are according to his plan and his purpose? And if we're not, he corrects us. We should be thankful, thankful for that, right? So now, on the thesis of that message in Romans chapter 9, verses 30 through 33, I was led to believe that Paul revealed God's judgment of Israel. Because Paul wants the church to know that God has judged Israel out of love. How did I help you understand the meaning of this. Well, I showed you that in point number by three points. In point number one, because God had judged Israel, the church was must understand that God has been condemning Israel, again, out of love, for his people, not only for his people, for all his creation. 
And point number two, because God has judged Israel, the church must understand that God has been justifying the descendants of Israel. Again, out of his love. And point number three, because God has judged Israel, the church must understand that we have been praising God for his righteousness. That is, out of a renewed heart, regenerated heart. Amen? Now, let's move on to the, today's uh, message. What is today's message? Well, I haven't revealed this to you, but I'm going to right now. And that is that, once again, the title of today's message is... Oh, I did. I did reveal this to you earlier. I come to, come to think about it. And that is the, the power of the gospel. Okay? That is the gospel hour. So just real short, the gospel hour. What is the topic of our message? The topic of my message is the gospel. It's significance to the church. So this is what we're talking about. I don't know if you, you, you see this yet, but we're talking about the gospel and its significance to the church. What is my thesis from this text? I propose that in Romans chapter 10, verse 5 through 21, Paul reveals God's purpose for the gospel. Why? Because Paul wants the church to know about the significance of the gospel. That's what, that's what it's all about. The gospel is significant. Now, how can I help you understand the meaning of this thesis? The meaning of my, what I'm proposing here. And that is my argument here is that, well, we'll, we'll, we'll try to do this by looking at, again, three points. And that is, we want to see that because the gospel is a momentous occasion, a momentous occasion, the church must understand that God has been convicting sinners through the gospel since the fall. Point number two, we want to see that because the gospel is a momentous occasion, the church must understand that God has been forgiving sinners through the gospel since the fall. Because the gospel is a momentous, and point number three, final point, because the gospel is a momentous occasion, the church must understand that we have been the administrators of the gospel, Sister Fong. Are you with me? Now, we all need to go over, with, uh, but real briefly about the text, and that is, again, this is a text that was written by Paul, and Paul is the apostle of Jesus Christ. And clearly, he has revealed to us that the gospel is significant, very significant. And this is a letter. It was a letter that was written to the Romans, Jewish, and non-Jewish converts. This is the word of God. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen. Now, um, in point number one, like I said, we want to see that because the gospel is a momentous occasion, the church must understand that God has been convicting sinners through the gospel since the fall. Since the fall. Now, um, Paul reveals God's purpose for the gospel. We're at. In the scripture. Right? He reveals the purpose of the gospel in the scripture. Now, um, let us go over to scripture and let us look at this for a little bit. Romans chapter 10, verse 5, if you recall. Um, Paul reveals God's purpose of the gospel. I'm convinced convinced of. And if, if you look at it closely, you'll see this beginning at verse 5 in Romans chapter 10, verse 5. Is everybody there with me? 
Okay, in Romans chapter 10, verse 5, it says, Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. Righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Righteousness. Now, the righteousness that Paul is talking about here is, is he's talking about, this is a term, this is a term that describes the nature of God's law. The law is right. It is right. It is given by God. It's given by God. It's given to show those whom it was given to that he has standards by which we must live and abide. Amen? And this is why Paul says that the man who does these things, that is, though the man who lives by the law of God, who does God's law, the man who lives by them, who does these things, they must live by them. That's what he's trying to say here. So we need to understand here what's in focus here, and that is that it is the, the righteousness of God's law. Now, there's a righteousness of God's law, but also there is a righteousness, another type of righteousness. Now, now listen, you've got to understand this. You've got you to you catch up with me here on this, what I'm trying to describe here. When we talk about God's law, we're talking about, first of all, that it was given to who first? Moses. That's why Paul brings this forth. He wants to make clear. He's trying, he's trying to create the context of what, what the message belongs to here. And we need to kind of catch up with this, with Paul, is what Paul is saying. By remembering that it was God who gave the law to Moses. And it was God, Moses' responsibility to give it to who? The people of Israel. The descendants of Israel. This was God's purpose for the law. It was to give it to them. And now, when he gave it to them, he gave it to them and he expected for them to do it. And not only that, guess what? They agreed to do it. Does this sound kind of familiar? I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding but if you you haven't, you need to understand that in a wedding ceremony, a marriage ceremony, it's sort of the same. You really kind of get the same picture that Paul is trying to trying to draw here, or that the, the the writers of the Bible has been drawing here for us. And that is is that our relationship to God is like a marriage union. Are you with me? It's like a marriage union. And in a marriage union, when two are gathered together and are united, and normally that's a man and a woman, there's this debate out there about this. I know it, but I'm not going to get into that right now. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm tempted. <laughs> I see the grins out there. Those who know me, I want to weigh in on this debate. But I'm not called to do that at this moment, okay? So all I can tell you is, is that a marriage union described in the Bible is normally described as that between a man and a woman. God created Adam and Eve, right, family? 
And so what we need to understand is that this marriage union oftentimes is performed by a what? A ceremony. And in this ceremony, words are exchanged. Words are exchanged. And the words that are exchanged generally is words of commitment. Words that express a lifelong commitment between two individuals. And the Bible goes on to say that the Bible unites those two individuals. And they eventually become what? One. And God takes that, God expects for us to take our marriage union seriously. And so in the same way, God, he called, he, he brought or delivered Israel out of Egypt. Remember? And it was, this whole operation was led by who? Moses. And Moses led them out into the wilderness. A place Basically that, you know, when you think of a wilderness is what? It's barren and, you know, there's no fruit, there's no vegetation, there's nothing. But really that is not the kind of wilderness that, that really Paul brought them to. Because God, really what he did, he's brought them to a place where they could be alone, right? And that they could perform the marriage union before not only God did this, not only... Um, to the people of Israel, but he did this before the whole host of heaven. Listen, God is not alone in heaven. <laughs> Oftentimes we, we forget this. God is in heaven, and guess who else is there? There are witnesses. There are angels. There are those members of the body, the body of, of or the, the members of, of the kingdom of God. They're there in heaven. And guess what? They are witnesses to all what God is doing. Amen? Listen, you got to understand what's happening here and what this, this book is all about. It's a story. And it continues to unfold. And it, 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 what Moses is, is, is catching on to here and what he's trying to give us here is a glimpse of what's happening behind the scenes in heaven. And guess what? They're in heaven even right now. And we're joined with them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they, they're looking, looking at us. And they're praising God. They're like, God, you're an awesome God. How can you, you know, just listen, you know, the simple, you know, you would think this, is, this gathering here is very simple. But listen, this is done by the power of God. Trust me. It's done by the power of God. In order to do this and do what we're doing, and I, I especially, I sense it. Every Sunday, I sense a force that's trying to do everything it possibly can to keep us from joining, to coming together and doing what we do as a family. And that is honoring God through the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of his word. All the forces, evil forces that are out there trying to keep us from doing this. But God is faithful. Amen. So what I'm trying to, what I'm trying, again, what I'm trying to show you here is that. Um, there, we're part of this, this story. We're part of this story. Listen, God, we are, He has given His Son, Jesus Christ, to us to be united with. Again, sort of like a marriage union. 
And and in that marriage union, in, in, in the marriage union, our relationship with Christ is, so, again, it's like a marriage union. He's the husband and we're the bride. You see that? You see that connection there? He's the husband and we're the bride. And listen, what's happening is, is that God is preparing us by the power of his Holy Spirit and by the, 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 the hearing of the gospel, the hearing of the gospel message. He's preparing us to be united ultimately with Christ in a real union. One day he's going he's to present us all to the Son. And we're going to be glorious. The Bible describes us as being glorious. That means that we're going to be, we're going to be, he's adorning us with righteousness, with the righteousness of Christ. He's preparing us and he's making us beautiful. So beautiful that when, when we're finally completed, trust me, again, all those who are in heaven right now and those who will be joined with us, I'm talking about those who have gone before us, those saints, those Christian saints that have gone before us. All the angels in heaven, they're going to be like just completely blown away. All of God's hosts, they're going to be completely blown away by the beauty of Christ's bride. You know, in order to really fully understand this and appreciate this, you have to have to be in that, um, have to have been in a marriage or have, have been married like myself. I'll never forget the day when my bride came down the aisle. She was beautifully adorned. And I was just stunned. I was stunned. And I was just thought to myself, man, God, I can't believe this. I can't believe that you finally have given me someone that I can love and I can cherish and I can, can share my life with. And this is what God is doing for the son. He's preparing us. So that we can share our lives eternally with the Son. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I don't want to continue to, to beat this, but this, we need to understand that this is, again, it's all a process that is happening. And so that's why I say that the church must understand that God has been forgiven sinners through the gospel. That's, you know, listen, the gospel message, first of all, is about Christ. It's about what Christ has done for the Father. It's about what the Father has done for Christ. And what the Father has done for Christ is this. He has given us to Him, to the Son. But first of all, we had to be declared sinners. We were declared sinners. And God had declared this unfit. Basically, when listen, when he declares us as sinners, he's basically telling us, telling us or has told us that, listen, you're unfit for my son. <laughs> you see how this works? It's kind of simple, but it's, this is the reality of it. We've been stained by sin. And listen, God has, has, has determined that, you know what, I am not going to give to my son Sinners. So I have to do something to change this. And he has. Amen. Praise God that he has. And he started off with the law. Listen, the law, as Paul says, Moses describes in this way, the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things 
We'll live by them. Listen, the law convicts us. Every time we try to do the law, we will soon find out that, guess what? We can't do it perfectly, not according to God's standards. That's, a, that's telling us that, guess what? We're sinners. We have, we have fallen short of the glory of God, the expectation of God. That's what the law does. And that's why Paul is mentioning the law. Amen? Yeah. And we have to keep that in focus. Now, what we also want to see because the gospel is a momentous occasion. Again, all this, this the message, the message here, what I'm preaching here is all part of the gospel. This is part of the story of his story, right? Which is Jesus' story, the son of Christ, God's story. The Holy Spirit all working in unison to bring us back into what? A right relationship with God. All of this is part of the story. He has, first of all, he has convicted us. Right? We're sinners. And now he's cleansing us. He's making us new. He's renewing us. He has renewed us. By the power of the gospel. So the gospel is really, it acts like a vehicle through which God changes what? Hearts. He changes our hearts. It's through the hearing of the message. How do we know this? Well, if you read there, it says, but the righteousness that is by faith says what? Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Right? Because it has already been done. <laughs> you see, did you see that? It's already been done. That is the righteousness that we need to get back right with God. The righteousness that we need in order to be ready for who? For the return of Jesus Christ. Because one day he's going to return and he's going to do what? He's going to, he's going to call us. His bride forth for the son. God is going to do that. See, when, when, when God has completely done what he, he has promised the son to do, he's going to send the son back to earth, here to earth. You know, a lot of people don't understand this. You know, we, we think all of this is, is going to happen in a spiritual way. But trust me, it's not going to happen just in a spiritual way, although it has already begun. It has begun in our hearts from the hearing of the gospel. Right. The gospel has begun to change our hearts. It has renewed our inward person. And that's why we desire what we desire. Christ. We want Christ. If you don't want Christ, guess what? Chances are you have you haven't been regenerated. You haven't been renewed. Remember, the Bible talks about what being born again. You have to be changed, first of all, from the inward person. But listen, God is not he's not going to be satisfied with just. An inward person, an inward change. He's going to want a complete change. Body and soul. Body and soul. He's, trying, he's going to eventually change both of those. Are you with me now? You've got to understand this and understand the gospel. You've got to understand that God's purpose is to make us right, not only spiritually, that, was the, that is our soul, but also body as well. Amen? And so, that's why... He has given us a model on how we're, we're going to eventually look. And that model was who? 
Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul says, don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Right? See that? Those are, those are, those are cues. Those are cues that Paul's given us. He's saying, you know, listen, like Christ, right? That's who we're going to be like. We're going to have, we're going to be completely renewed, resurrected, resurrected bodies. He's cueing us in. Now, this is to bring, uh, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. Again, God changes, begins by changing us, our heart. This is what Paul is telling us. It's in our heart. Why is it in our heart? Because God placed it there. That's the only way it can get there, people. Are you with me? So, um, this is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. That's the sign. If you confess Jesus with your mouth, it's a sign that you have been, what? Renewed. Come on, people, you're not with me. You have been renewed in your heart. You have been renewed in your heart. You can only confess Jesus by a renewal of the heart. You can't say it and you can't say Jesus is Lord and really believe it in your heart unless God has placed it in you and has changed your heart. That's how it works. That's that's what the gospel is all about. The gospel it it we hear the gospel, it it proclaims that Jesus is Lord. It proclaims that Jesus was resurrected from the, from the dead. And all these things, we hear them, but in order to fully receive them and believe them and to ourselves confess them, it has to have been a transformation, had, had to have occurred, a transformation had to have occurred in our hearts. Are you with me now? And this is why I, I'm saying that this is a, the gospel is a momentous occasion. It's an event. That has happened. It's an occurrence that is even right now is happening by the power of the Holy Spirit, by me preaching to you and, and preaching the gospel to you. This is this is all from God. The message I'm talking about. The message. Do you hear the message? Does it ring in your heart? Do you believe? This is something that you have to. You have to believe. And that's why this is something even you too have to confess. Do you confess this? Before those who are strangers, before those whom, you know, you are, are, are you worried about being embarrassed by the gospel? What does Paul say? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe. You guys got to understand the importance of the gospel. Let's go over to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. The purpose of the gospel is clearly stated here. In Romans chapter 1, verses 17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We live by faith. It's by confessing what we believe. And it's all, it's all, it's sources all from God. I hope you're with me this morning. 
Anyone, as the scripture says, verse 11, as anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Trust in him. Trust in Christ. That he will bring you through. Trust in God, the Father. The Father of Jesus Christ. His Son. That he will bring you through. He'll give you everything you need in order to trust. In order to believe. And to do all that he, he commands. Amen? For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, when you call on the name of the Lord, when you confess Jesus in your, in, in your, in your daily lives, you've been saved. That's what Paul is saying here. You've been saved. If you can't confess Jesus, boldly confess Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, as your, as like, like, like a, a wife should do her husband, or a husband should do his wife, guess what? You're not part of the kingdom. It's just that simple. You're not, you're not saved. I know, listen folks, I know I'm stepping on people's toes, but you gotta understand this. Listen, I have a ring on my finger. I have papers that say, you know what? This ring that was given to me belongs to my wife. Now, if I stop confessing that and I say, well, you know what? Take this ring off. And I'm walking around. People are asking me, where's your wife? And I'm like, I don't have a wife. I don't know who my wife is. I don't know what you're talking about. What have I said? What have I done? I, reje I rejected my wife. <laughs> How many of us do that? With Christ. We, we walk around from day to day. And we, we, we act as if. Christ don't even exist. Or somebody might compliment you and you, you know, oh, great job. You did such a great job. And you're like, thanks. I know. I worked hard. Instead, you should be what? Thank you, but all, 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 this, all this credit should go to Christ. Because it is Christ who gives me the strength. It's the Christ who gives me the power to say to do what I do. All of this should lead us to understanding that the gospel it is powerful for leading people to Christ. You know, one of the things that breaks my heart and I think that uh, in many churches, they don't do this enough. And that is just preach the simple gospel. Believe in the gospel. The power of the gospel. The, to me, it's sad. Because really it's saying, you know what? Again, like I said, it's rejecting. It's re when you reject the gospel, when you 
When you think less of the gospel, when you, meaning when you think the gospel is not enough, when you think you start thinking that, you know what, it's, it's got to be more or something else. You've rejected God. The father of Jesus Christ, that's really what you've done. And you've got to be careful. If you think that the gospel message is too simple for simple minded people, you rejected God. Think about it. Again, it's the same way with being married. When you are not willing to acknowledge that you're married, or you live your life and you, you, you say, you know, I am married, but you're, you're laying in bed with someone else, another person committing adultery, living an adulterous relationship, and so forth, and doing things that that breaks your intimacy or your covenant with your wife or your spouse, you've rejected them. And you've rejected all that God has given to you and all God has said in this word. That a person who does such a thing is an adulterer. If you're covenanting your neighbor's wife, what is it, what's the Bible, what does the law say? Do not covet. Do not covet. Your neighbor's wife, your, na- your neighbor's donkey, <laughs> In this case, your neighbor's SUV. <laughs> now, you know, I, I chuckle, but you know what? This is serious business. So here we, again, in point number three, and we're done. I know I've probably gone a little bit too far, but I just, I hope you get this. I hope you got this. Here we want to see that because the gospel is a momentous occasion, that is an, a, a great event, a great uh it's, it's something that everybody needs to know about and everybody should be told. Sort of like winning the lottery, right? If you win a lottery, do you want to, you, do you want to keep it to yourself? No. No, you don't. You want to tell somebody. You want to spend that money too, right? <laughs> you start spending thousands and thousands of dollars everywhere. They get, you, trust me, they're going to be questioning you. You walk into the bank with a check that says, you know, a million dollars on it. They're going to be like, where do you get this check from? We got to check this out. This don't happen every day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> People going to know. Trust me. You'll be on TV and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, the church must understand that we have been administrators of the gospel since the fall. And being administrators, basically, listen, we tell people. You know, that's what I'm talking about. If you believe in Christ, you believe in your heart that he has... He has done all these great things for you. You should be telling people. You want people to know. I mean, that's why we do what we do, right? We listen. We do what we do, and then also we put it up on the internet. We put it. We want people to hear it as well. Other people to hear it. We don't just do this just for ourselves. We do this for other people to hear, and we want to start inviting people, and hopefully, you know, they'll invite people, and you know, just keep working like that. So that, again, the gospel may be known. That people may know that, listen, we're married to Jesus Christ. That's, that's my Lord. He's my Lord. That means that mean he's, he's my everything. He's my master. He's my king. I want to please him. Not self. Not you. I don't care what you think about my Lord. What? You think my Lord is made up? I don't care. I believe in my heart that he lives and he reigns and that he's coming. He's coming back real soon. That is our hope as Christians. Do you understand? 
That is what faith is all about. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yes, I know we don't see him, but we don't, we don't see your Christ. We don't see your Lord. Yeah, I understand that. But I hope that one day, and I trust that you will. And you will know him just like I know him. Again, this is not, this is, this is from God. Are you, do you believe? Do you believe in Christ? Do you believe that he was crucified? That he was, that he was dead? He was buried? That he descended into the depths of hell and on the third day he rose again from the dead? And that he ascended into heaven? And even right now, he sits in heaven. He reigns. He's interceding for us. He's talking it up for us, even right now. And he has sent us his what? His Holy Spirit. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? A holy Catholic church. That is us who are united here today. Do you believe in God, the Father, Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and all things visible and invisible? Do you believe? I believe. But do you believe? I hope you do. God, save your soul if you don't. Now, let's close. Again, point number one. We saw that because the gospel is a momentous occasion, the church must understand that God has been convicting sinners through the gospel since the fall. It's that simple. Since the fall. This is what has been happening. This is the story that God has been unfolding. To us, and we need to know what this story is all about, what the gospel is all about. It's about getting us right with God, the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We saw that because the gospel is a momentous occasion, the church must understand that, that God has been forgiving sinners through the gospel since the fall. This is what it's all about. Listen, you've been forgiven. Because of Christ and what he has done. You've been forgiven of all your sins. You've been cleansed of all your sins. That is good news, isn't it? Really, that's what gospel is really, it really means. Good news. But, it's, it's, you know, we've taken it to mean basically also that it's about God and Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done. Also, final point, we saw that because the gospel is a momentous occasion, the church must understand that we have been administrators of the gospel since the fall as well. That is, we didn't have been giving it out. We've been confessing. We've been witnessing with our lives that he reigns, that he lives, that Christ lives, he reigns, and that God is the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and that Jesus Christ is his son, and so forth and so forth. This is what we've been doing. This is why we do what we do. Amen? So let's close in prayer. Our Lord and God, thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for increasing our knowledge and love for you. Our Lord and God, thank you for enlightening us with this marvelous message from your written word. Bless our listeners. We ask and we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please rise for the doxology. Now, to him who is able to keep you and strengthen you according to the divine revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to the mystery that was kept secret for a very long time, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, 
according to the command of the gospel or the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory and honor, both dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Please hug one another and enjoy the rest of the day. May God bless you.